Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Ronkle and the Mayor. Pretty rainy day here in Portland, a little unexpected. Um, did, uh, did get my famous walk-in before this all happened, and uh, let's start with that today. As I was uh, doing my walk, I uh, heard this noise this morning, this beep, 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 as I walked out my front door, and I thought, gosh, did I leave an alarm on, or does a neighbor have an alarm clock on? And I put my headphones in, I could still hear it, and I walked across the street and realized the sound was emanating from further away, and I looked down my street and see flashing lights. And uh, as I approach the light, I realize it's coming from the new condo uh, complex, this place called The Garthwick. And there are lights, 7.15 in the morning, there's two dudes there, the alarm's going off, and all of these uh, lights are flashing, so obviously someone tried to break in or... Uh, the fire alarm was pulled, is what I thought possibly. But all of the neighbors had their lights on here in Selwood around that area, right around 13th and Marion. Uh, probably because they were woken up this morning by this loud thing. If I could hear it inside my house, <laughs> uh, what am I, five blocks away, four, block, four blocks away, then uh, it must have been excruciating for the people that actually live right there at that intersection. So I walk by there, and as I'm getting there, the lights are still going, and the sound stops. And you could tell these two guys had frantically tried to override the system or reset it, whatever whatever they needed to do. And I looked around, and I could see all the neighbors, and of course all their lights are on, like I said, and they're all just sitting there in their windows drinking coffee in their robes and stuff, thinking, what the heck just happened? What a pleasant way to wake up. So I continued on my walk. Um... Like I said, I've seen more and more places going up for sale. Talked to a couple of guys that were trying to remove some skunks from a house they were tearing down uh, to build a new little McMansion. Um, like I've been smelling the skunks in the morning. They definitely, as they fight or go to nest or what whatever happens, uh, you know, just before dawn, uh, they they basically spray. And so we used to have skunks here at my house, uh, but we sealed up the underside. But it had become like a skunk hotel, and skunks return to where they mate each year or often, I should say. So if uh, you see a skunk at your house, that means it's going to keep coming back until you make sure it goes away. And uh, whew, those babies can really smell things up. So, you know, I got past the, the alarm, the skunk walk, and uh, I'm always on the lookout. There's two older gentlemen, one who lives below my house by the river, and another man, uh, both, and both will go unnamed, <laughs> but they're both avid duck fans. Uh, as I am, Oregon Duck fans. And so in the dark, you know, 6.30 in the morning, 7 in the morning, uh, this time of year, I see this old guy. He's probably in his 80s, and he always looks up, gives me a high five, and says, Go Ducks. And I actually started doing it. I started pointing at him and saying, Go Ducks. And uh, he liked it. He's got a younger lady with him, like a caregiver. And she kind of stays, I don't know, uh, three, four uh, paces behind, just keeping an eye on him. But now we've reached this point where he basically shakes my hand or high fives me when I see him. And we say, go Ducks. And, uh, you know, I was doing it at first to kind of make his day because I thought, well, if I'm in my 80s, I hope some uh, younger dude takes a little time to say hello. But I actually now think, or I'm pretty sure him and the man who lives below me uh, do a lot more for me in that regard. Uh, they are still so pumped about the Oregon Ducks that it kind of rekindles my fire when I talk to these guys or see them. Just think, yeah, you know, ever, just, just when I'm about to kind of give up or 
grow out of it. I, I run into these two gentlemen um, and they spark the fire again, uh, especially the man that lives below me on the river. He, he'll pull his car over, point at me, point at my hat, his hat, whatever uh, corresponding duck gear we have on, and uh, we'll chat about the bowl game or the upcoming season or recruits. Uh, he's always wondering, like, when am I going to put my duck flag back up outside my house? Currently, I have a uh, Portland flag. Uh, I, I told him as soon as uh, as soon as fall football rolls around, I'll put it up for the opening game again. Um, but right now, we're just going to go with the Portland flag. Anyhow, uh, love running into these guys. Uh, it's just part of the part of the fun on the walk. Um, the other, uh, so I saw one of the gentlemen this morning, uh, not the guy that lives below me, but the uh, the older old man and. Uh, he was across the street. I shouted, go Ducks, and he waved and kind of pounded his, his sweatshirt. Um, other than that, this morning, the traffic crush was on. People cutting corners, driving through parking lots. Uh, I, I was ready for it, but boy, day after the holiday, uh, yesterday was MLK Day, people are just on it. Just, I got to get to work. I got to get to work. Uh, you know, must be, must be real important jobs. I'm sure I only ran into brain surgeons and OBGYNs racing to help someone give birth. <laughs> but, uh, the tr like I said, the traffic was, was fast today. P I've never seen people taking the shortcut through the Starbucks parking lot, uh, I'm sure it happens, but it was just a steady stream to get across a busy intersection and uh and let me tell you this starbucks parking lot is not the most of it's not the most convenient place to cut through it's a one way it's narrow uh and you can't see around the corner so doing it uh you gotta be pretty pretty brash you gotta you gotta really want to get to work bad and not care about anybody else or anything else in that moment <laughs> um so yeah traffic was bad um i i also wanted to comment on uh, on coffee. I often wait on coffee. I do my morning walk, and when I get home, I have a, a, a all fruit and vegetable smoothie, and then I make myself a latte. And I usually, if I can, make la I make the coffee from a couple of local uh, places. One one of them is a Blue Kangaroo. It's a coffee shop near me, and they have uh, an espresso blend and a Selwood Morning blend, uh, which are both fantastic and. Uh, the price is price is pretty good too, so I'll walk down and get that. But if you really want awesome coffee, uh, Heart Brand Coffee, and there is a coffee shop near me called Either Or, and they make the best latte on the freaking planet. Nothing even close. I've given this coffee away as gifts before, and people just literally pour through it. They uh, it's. It is some tasty stuff, and so I walked. I, I walked by either or and Blue Kangaroo today, and I thought to myself, "Oh, it is time to stop in, and I should probably let people know about this because uh, it's a secret that should not be kept." And uh, coffee coffee lovers already know about it, but I think everyone should probably know about it. Um, it's they're both some of my faves. I never buy Starbucks coffee anymore unless I'm actually just at a Starbucks. I'll get a coffee or a latte, but I never buy their beans. Uh, there's just no no point. Uh, it's not great quality. Uh, the blonde espresso bean they make is pretty good, but most of the other stuff I find it to be a little too caramely or a little too caramelized. So no big deal. I'm sure they'll they'll make it without my support. Um, all right. Well, 
before we before we dive into some hot topics, I did want to say I'm gonna sh- I'm shooting to do two shows a week, and this is a message to Samantha B. If you're listening, you need to do two shows a week. One show on TBS is not enough. You need to bookend the week if you want to be awesome like me. Uh, again, if she's listening. So, thought what we would get into today is another fun fake conspiracy. Uh, uh, that I like. Uh, this one is called the Finland Conspiracy. And this is a newer one to me, but I had heard about it and uh, and I, I thought it this is this is a this has got to be fake. It doesn't even make sense. And so as it goes, the Finland conspiracy is this. During the Cold War, Japan made a deal with the Soviet Union to share a secret about a stretch of Baltic Sea between the USSR and Sweden. Uh, This was after the USSR and Japan supposedly made up the country of Finland. This was all for fishing rights. That way the Japanese could could fish all they want without being in international waters because this was Finland and not international waters. And they just had to give a small cut to the Russians, (laughs) which which makes no sense. Uh, So... People always ask, what about the five and a half million Finnish citizens? So the the theory goes that these people just live in scattered small communities throughout the Swedish, Russian, and Estonian forests. (laughs) And uh, so they don't actually live in Finland. Uh, They're Swedish, mostly. Uh, And so all aerial and satellite images are doctored um, somehow, the, the... the Russia and Japanese representatives are able to acquire all photos taken uh, on Earth and eliminate Finland from them for fishing rights. Uh, it makes complete sense when you say it out loud. Um, <laughs> I I couldn't really grasp this one, so I looked it up, and I I've listened to other podcasts and read about it, and it looks like this conspiracy started on Reddit uh, four years ago. Uh, but then I came across a man who was raised within his household. This was a shared belief, like a dinner table topic. His parents did not believe that Finland existed, and they taught their kids uh, this. And so this man was in his 30s. I, I don't know the exact age, but I read, I read his little spiel, and then I heard him on Brian Dunning's podcast, and I just thought, wow, can you imagine growing up in, a, in that family? You're going to school, probably, or you've seen things on television, and then your mom and dad tell you that Finland isn't real. Just, you know, so there were probably other things in that household that didn't quite square up, but uh, the Finland thing just doesn't, it doesn't make sense that uh, there is zero evidence on any map, any historical reference, not to mention the Finnish language uh, is much, much older than than any mention of this theory. So the fact that they have a language and there are maps from hundreds of years ago, um, three centuries ago, and traces of language that go back uh, 500 years, then, you know, it's weird that this this would pop up. 
but it's probably the same type of people we talked about last time. If you can believe this, then you probably believe that the moon landing was faked or that the Q is running the White House. There seems to be no shortage of this. And once you get called, once they get called on it, they simply reroute the wagons and start over. Uh, I just, I have, uh, I have uh, sympathy for these people. I can only imagine uh, being a, a child, like uh, grow, going to school, and maybe your friends find out uh, that you have some alternative beliefs, uh, like Finland doesn't exist, or the Earth is flat, or uh, Neil Armstrong uh, was simply in a film studio in Southern California, not actually on the moon. I don't really know what to do with, uh, with uh, people like this other than hope beyond hope that they're simply doing this for fun and that they're actually expert trolls and they just want to see the response or the bounce back from everybody. I hope, I hope that's it, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, so that's, that's really it on this conspiracy. There are some other angles on it where the, uh, the Japanese firm Nokia is actually part of the conspiracy and they sell most of their products in Sweden to help pay for the cover-up. Uh, that, that seems to be a more, a more recent uh, version of this very new conspiracy theory. Uh, it, that, that part doesn't really make much sense at all, um, other than maybe that's the big, maybe Nokia is the one who's erasing all the information from satellites and from pictures online. <laughs> their, their technical expertise was needed to, uh, to make this happen. So I, I'm not really sure about that, but uh, how about that? This is another one of those uh, great conspiracies. People spend a lot of time on it. I mean, right after inhaling their chemtrails, they probably tune into this sort of stuff. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I guess it'll never end. Uh, we'll have to see which country uh, disappears next, or maybe some new landmass will rise up and it'll be Atlantis. I have no idea. All right, well, we'll we will uh, do our little rough transition here. We'll do another uh, conspiracy topic uh, later in the week. I'll, uh, I have a I have a bunch of them locked and loaded that I think you're all gonna love. Um, I did get a question from a fan actually. Uh, was I ever going to talk about the Blazers and the Timbers? And I don't do a lot of Blazer talk uh, mainly because they haven't traded Damian Lillard to the Lakers yet, and the Lakers are actually the team of topic. Uh, the Blazers don't have much going for them outside of Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, the team is pretty good, but they will never win uh, going up against the current N uh, NBA West. Um, but yeah, I don't talk much much Blazers because I'm really not a fan of them. Uh, I don't dislike them. I just uh, have no love for them. Uh, I'm golden purple all the way. Now the Timbers, on the other hand, I am an original season ticket holder. I've had season tickets to them since they were a USL team, my wife and I. I should say. It's not just me. Uh, she was the real soccer lover, and I was more of a skeptic in the beginning, but uh, I, I'd i been going to the games, and uh, my wife played soccer in high school and college. She was excellent, um, and so she wanted to see more soccer, so we started going to the timber matches, and I've kind of fallen in love with it. I, I, like I said, I was skeptical. I, I didn't understand, even though I played soccer as a kid, I didn't understand enough of the subtle uh, nuances, the angles needed, uh, and that the building angst and working towards that one, maybe your one and only goal, 
was was more than enough to keep me entertained. And here in Portland, we have a fantastic venue at Providence Park. Um, in one in one end zone, we have what is called the Timbers Army, and they're the 107ths. And I'm actually in the Timbers Army myself, but I don't sit there. I have a seat, uh, <laughs> a more calm seat. But the Timbers Army stands, they drink a lot, they sing a lot, they have a great time, and they intimidate the other team's keeper and add a wonderful uh, atmosphere to the place, or they create a wonderful atmosphere, and they they add to uh, the entire fan experience. So whenever I bring new people to the match or tell people about it, I tell them it's going to be more like a South American or Western European soccer match. There's going to be a lot of enthusiasm, uh, a lot of knowledgeable fans, and it's going to be packed. So the Timbers, you know, 22,000 of us cram into this place, and they've sold out every game ever. There, there is no such thing as a non-sellout for the Timbers. And now they're adding 5,000 seats. Uh, so this summer, we'll have this massive, modern, new side to the stadium, and uh, 5,000 new friends will be there. I'm sure it'll still be the hottest ticket in town. Uh, the Timbers, you know, they... They made it to the finals last year, and they lost the championship match. Uh, they were just overwhelmed by Atlanta. And so this offseason, we saw some more of our old Timbers, Alvis Powell and Liam Ridgewell, have left the team. Uh, they were you know, big-time contributors. And so now you know, the word is they're looking for uh, starting-level players uh, on defense and at keeper. So the Timbers uh, have a lot of a lot of young players right now, a lot of uh, homegrown players, and uh, they seem to always uh, be reaching and searching for that that next player. That they seem to have a pipeline with Argentina, and uh, I think you're going to see them continue to go out and try to get the best people they can afford, and but also being aggressive, taking those chances. They don't have Gal LA Galaxy money, they don't have. Uh, New York Red Bull money, but they do have a great brain trust here. The Timbers Academy and USL teams are excellent, and the facilities here uh, are reminiscent of any other pro team, but in my neck of the woods, the Oregon Ducks. The uh, The Timbers have been, have innovative facilities. They have dietitians. Uh, they've moved everything off-site from the stadium, so there's basically a, a Beaverton facility where the players go and train. Uh, they can be fed and taken care of medically there year-round. Uh, it's a big draw for I, for free agents, along with the great atmosphere of the stadium. But th this this is an extremely professional organization, and uh, they're not at the top of the food chain, um, especially as far as market size. But the Timbers, I would say, are uh, an elite team. They they have they have the fandom, they have the support, uh, and they seem to have the expertise. And they got one title under their belt. So I guess the answer is yes. Uh, we will be talking Timbers, and. Uh, uh, you know, gosh, wouldn't it be great? Maybe I'll actually even, uh, maybe we can even talk to someone who's on the Timbers or get some real news about the Timbers rather than me just speculating and going uh, with the weeds uh, from from uh, my soccer friends here and on social media. All right, well, Timber season, spring training starts up here next month. Um, they'll be in Arizona, and then the first 12 games are road games, so we won't see them here in Portland until June, I believe. Uh, so it's going to be a it's going to be a wait. Um, 
I gotta say, I'm not too happy about it. I thought that this construction project would finish up in time that uh, we would be there, but uh, no real control over it, and uh, it'll be nice. I guess at the end of the season, the Timbers will have this long string of games at home, so that'll be good. I love going to fall soccer games. Uh, my seats are covered, uh, so I never get wet. Um, so I don't mind if it downpours and actually the, the game is just as good when it's wet, <laughs> unless you're a fan that's uh, stuck in it. So yeah, we'll be talking a lot more timber soccer more of that to come. Uh, we'll probably talk a little, uh, some other sports, of course. Um, we do cover motorsports here on Ronkel and the mayor. And, uh, actually speaking of which, let's get into that right now. Um, there was the big news NTT has now taken over as title sponsor of the IndyCar series. So it's the NTT IndyCar series. And uh, they're going to continue with their uh, subsidiary, NTT Data, will continue to sponsor uh, Chip Ganassi's team and uh, uh, their number 10 car, I believe. So they throw they throw a good chunk of change at that. So on top of their... Uh, you know, they're 10 million plus a year in, in sponsorship and activation. They're probably spending another three to 6 million on this one uh, sponsorship of this car. So they're in it to win it. Uh, anyway, uh, some more news from Carlin racing, uh, Max Chilton, who uh, was sponsored by the Gallagher investment group will again be sponsored by them. And he will run a full season for Carlin racing, uh, Charlie Kimball, who has Novo Nord disc, uh, on its on his car, he uh, it's a diabetic drug, and he actually is a driver with diabetes. He uh, is confirmed for a partial schedule. Uh, you know, he hasn't had the greatest season the last couple of seasons, so looks like his finances were kind of curbed a little bit. So we'll we'll see on that. I've been hearing rumors that R. C. Enerson would be running full time, but maybe the rumor is that he'll be picking up. Uh, 10 races and uh, Kimball running six to seven, some sort of combination of that. Uh, Carlin Racing is a, a great racing team. They, they run in the Junior Series and F2 over in Europe and in Indy Lights and IndyCar here in the States. Um, they've put a lot of the top drivers in the top series around the world where they are now. So a lot, many drivers that you've heard of have come up through the ranks through Carlin. They're fairly new in the United States, but they, uh, they know what they're doing. So they'll go with Chilton and Kimball. Neither of them are very exciting. I don't expect much except for some incremental improvements from them on some of the road courses uh, now that they have uh, all, of, all of the numbers and telemetry uh, from running two cars for a full season. They'll have numbers to bounce things off of this year. Um, let's see, the other big news, and I, it's big for me because I kind of like this guy, a driver named Jack Harvey. He raced six races last year for MSR, which is Meyer Shank Racing. Um, he is expanding uh, from this those six races to ten races this year, and in one of the ten, again last year, one of them, one of the six was Portland, and so now one of the ten is Portland. And I, Portland, it's great. Portland is a good market. Uh, it's packed. There's a lot of popular racing or popular drivers want to come here because there is no competition in this market. There are no other races in the Northwest. Uh, so IndyCar's presence here is uh, is big. So for advertising, I would say it's important. But it's also great that Harvey is expanding to 10 races. Uh, that means that finances continue to come in. His big sponsor that I see is Sirius XM Radio and Autodesk, I believe. And so he, he, uh, he has some pretty good sponsorship. I 
myself am a big fan of Sirius satellite radio. Uh, I I remember getting that back in the day, and you know they're still around. If they want to pay the bills for a racing driver, then uh, yeah, I'm all I'm all for it. Um, you know, there wasn't too much other too much too much other news in IndyCar. Uh, just the big announcements, of course, from a week ago. Probably see some more team news. Waiting on Hunkos Racing to announce a driver or two drivers at least for the Indy 500, but I'd like to see them do another partial schedule. Um, it's important. They do have a Cadillac DPI team in IMSA, so the, they'll fly their white, green, and red car there, and uh, those Cadillac DPIs are pretty awesome. And uh, speaking of which, you'll get to see them here this weekend uh, in more racing news. The Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona is on Saturday. It starts at 2 uh, to Eastern, I believe. And so you'll get to see there's uh, several teams that drive the Cadillac DPI, and it is just a badass-looking car. It's, it's a big machine. It's, it's like those uh, the Bentley Continentals and Bentley Racing. I love seeing giant luxury cars turned into race cars, and they just sound so mean, just ripping up the road. So when you put a, a, an incredible chassis um, and a hybrid, hybrid engine in a uh, the shell of a car and slap a Cadillac badge on it. Uh, count me in. So 24 hours of Daytona will start on Saturday, like I said. And uh, I, there are 56 entries, I believe. I think I might have said that on another episode. But uh, I I like to check in with the beginning of the race. It's you know it's fine. Just want to see if anybody kind of flubs it or crashes out or has some sort of weird mechanical failure. But really just like to check in, make sure everybody makes it through the beginning clean. And then I like to check back in at night. Uh, night racing uh, in a full field like that is awesome. Now, the Daytona track stinks. It's, not, it's nothing like Le Mans or Road America. Uh, but after a long winter of no endurance racing, this will do. And uh, with all the incredible entries and a lot, of, a lot of famous drivers from other series are flocking to it. Fernando Alonso will again be there. There are several IndyCar drivers uh, in it. And uh, looking back at the winners, uh, the IndyCar drivers always are on the winning teams or often on the winning teams. And uh, these are team driving events. You'll share a car with two, three other people. And uh, the IndyCar drivers uh, just seem to have it. Uh, once you can do road courses, you can do them in any machine. And uh, these, some of these cars are higher technology, of course, than an IndyCar, but maybe not as fast. Uh, so you, so you have the experience. If you have knowledge of the track, um, you know these are all pluses. Also, getting into endurance racing, or some people call it gentleman's racing, uh, it does keep your wits about you in between seasons. Uh, IndyCar has a long off season, so it's it's nice to get your hands on a wheel. And uh, speaking of that, uh, red gloves make you drive faster. Just a little little tip there, uh, pro tip. So red gloves go fast. We'll see how many guys in the Rolex 24 are wearing them, and. Uh, We'll see where we go from there for the open wheel season and uh, IndyCar. All right. Well, it's still raining here. My fire's still going. My cat is pacing in front of the fire, staring at me. Erin is uh, working away diligently uh, on her OEA work. And I am getting ready to wrap up this show. So thanks again for everybody listening. Thanks for dipping into the slipstream with me. Stay safe out there. And have a fantastic day. We'll see you next time.